welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Hey, detailers, this is Parker. MTU Orlando is happening. You can pre-register now on mobiletechexpo.com. Use code PINTS for 15% off. And Sheldon said use hashtag MTE is happening when on social media. Go to mobiletechexpo.com and use code PINTS to save 15%. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. And we are live. Right? Hey, what happened to grabbing the mic? There we go. All right. Right on. We are live. Gil, Tango Mike. Yeah, right on. How y'all doing, everyone? Gil, thank you so much for hosting us. Uh, please introduce to your left. All right, so to my left, we have uh, my lead uh, technician, the shop manager, Tank, uh, a.k.a. Hannah. And then also we have Maria. She's uh, my lead uh, working on the detailing side. And in our Doogie Hauser, the house, Rick. All right. What's up, Doogie? All good. <laughs> all good. All good. All right. So sitting to my left is the uh, co-host, in a sense. If you yeah. hosted us on that side, yeah. the after-party host. There you go. After-party host. Please, please introduce yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm Stan Johnson. I'm one of the, uh, the originators of Adventure Brewing Company. We started back in 2014, and we've been in this location. Um, actually, op- doors opened back in 2014, like I mentioned. And uh, we've, we've had a lot of great partners, a lot of great people around us. But like I just mentioned, these guys are the most interesting group that we've had <laughs> next to us ever. And I, like, the, the interesting thing about that, the detailing part is I didn't understand what was going on and how it worked and it's pretty cool yeah thanks all right so uh i'll go over to my right introduce yourself sir which one i'm gonna take afternoon i'm jerome barnes owner and operator of a1 auto detailing uh here in northern virginia um i appreciate you inviting me in uh thank you gil for all you've done for me um it's been a blessing and a pleasure Right, to name, your right, sir. My name's uh, Austin Scott. I own and operate AFH Detailing here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, yeah, definitely had a really good day today. Training, learning things new, and having a beer. Beers are good, right? <laughs> Love them. Hi, my name is Ignacio Rodriguez, also known as Nacho. And Nacho! I also work for Tango Mike. All right, all right. Uh, new to the crew, though. Yes. As new to the crew. 15. All right. Well, we want to dive into the new guy. Let's hop in and see what the new guy's up to. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I started at Tangle Mike back in July uh, the 15th, but I also work part-time at AutoZone. Yeah. Okay. Well, we learned all about him, didn't we? <laughs> Thanks, Nacho. <laughs> All right. So keep that one down there. You and I will share this. All right. Cheers. What are you drinking? Expedition IPA. It's my go-to. Um, has been probably since we opened the brewery. I wish it was my recipe, but it's not. 
right, so we have a thing here. Uh, generally, we don't use plastic, so it would go a lot better, but uh, he's right. Somebody I heard say it. Community. Community, yeah. we cheers, yeah. Cheers. It's our thing, and normally we hear the clinks, and it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. But uh, we'll say community quite a bit. Everybody on three, clink. Yeah. Clink. clink. <laughs> so, uh, all right, tell us about Adventure Brewing. And, um, you know, when I was here last year, uh, Gil, we did the training, and I came over and enjoyed some really great beers. Uh, I thought, great, we love the logo, love the outlook, love everything you guys do. Um Give us a little feedback, you know. Who are you guys? Tell us a little about you. Um, well, you know, some of the important parts are that uh, several of us were brewing back in the 90s. We've been doing it a long time. Um, we could say that in terms of the home brewer, there are a couple of reasons for home brewers to do it. Back in the 90s is because we were cheap. Um, we, we wanted to make actually a good tasting beer for not the crazy amount of money that was being charged. Um, as, as years went by... So you, we, you started as a home brewer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Back in 2012, um, or actually a little bit before then, we, um, we, we opened up and, and created what was called the Stafford Brewers Club. And so we started a brewing club in Stafford and ran with that for a couple of years um, and, and, and brewed every day. In our, in our, uh, every day is the wrong term. Um, once a week, we'd brew in the back deck. Um, but we decided in 2012 when Virginia changed the, the laws and vote please um but when they changed the laws it allowed us to actually sell pints of beer out of our tasting room and that was a big deal um so we we moved on decided with a couple of us that we were going to open a brewery and in 2013 we incorporated by 2014 we decided we were going to open our doors and we i won't say we fought we worked with stafford county to allow breweries and change the laws to make it happen um, so shortly after, in 2014, in April, we opened our doors and, and finally got the first brewery in Stafford for about 225 years. It was a big deal for us, and certainly we were hoping it would be for the community. Um, hey, community! <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Within, a, within, a, within two weeks, um, a second brewery opened. Um, and within a couple of years, we had um, about eight breweries, and I think at our peak, we were at 10. Um, we, in 2016, a local brewery that had been around since 2002 in Fredericksburg called Blue and Gray Brewing Company um, uh, decided that they, were, they, they wanted to move on, and we purchased them and opened up a location in it's, it's Spotsylvania, but it's right near in Fredericksburg. And uh, we took over a certain set of brands that was Fred Red, um, uh, just uh, the, the blue and gray brands, um, uh, Stonewall Stout, a few different brands that we, we ran with. And we also bought their equipment, which was very important to us if we wanted to go into distribution. Um, and that's why over the last year, these guys that have been here with us have seen so much occurring uh, in terms of our construction in these in, in our location right here, in terms of moving all that equipment from Spotsylvania up to this area. And uh, now we're working on increasing our distribution again and, uh, and, and growing on. Uh, I think the last step in, in terms of just straight up history in the first month of this year, we opened up a new location in Fredericksburg, and we've got that happening now. It's a smaller location, um, Eagle Village, but that's that's where we were, where we come from, 
and where we keep trying to go. In terms of adventure, um, we just like doing fun stuff. Uh, I I came I, I this this morning when when I when I heard that uh, we were going to be doing this today, I uh, was I wasn't sure that I'd be able to make it. We just came from a uh, seventeen mile kayaking trip uh, oh, nice. out out to Widewater State Park in the area. We camped last night and 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 got back this morning. It was a really cold and, yeah. and rainy day, but it was fun. I got my shower. Uh, didn't get any sleep yet, but I got some beer. <laughs> <laughs> that that's really what uh, what you need to keep rolling, huh? You got it. You got it. All right, so uh, I'm going to dive into a couple questions uh, revolving around what those early struggles were. Um, not necessarily the. You don't necessarily. I know you said you fought with me. We don't necessarily need those. I just mean some of the struggles as a business owner, right? Um, because we're not in the same industry by any means, but businesses often share similar struggles, especially when they start. So, you know, we've got young guys here. We've got young guys that listen, young detailers that listen, that, uh, you know, might be starting to struggle with some stuff, might be going into a season of some struggles with some economy that maybe is going to happen. So, uh, you know, Anything that you would like to share as far as, you know, as a business owner struggling through some stuff and fighting through things, why you were able to keep going and, and push on through some, some of those tough times? I think one of, the, one of the biggest things that I would probably impart to any new business owner is that when you start, your idea is either going to be a, a phenomenal idea or it's not. <laughs> that's I mean that, that's a fundamental piece but early on it's going to happen or it's going to it's not and in those first couple months while it's happening if you actually have that great idea and it's starting to happen six months into it you're going to start to start to believe that it's going to keep growing forever at that same rate and I've just seen this over and over again where I watch these businesses come up and Start investing like that six-month growth is going to continue until you're three years old. And it just doesn't happen. At about six months to a year, your growth pattern is generally going to level off. And you're going to have to start figuring out your model to make sure that the dollar figures match. Your budgets start working. And and I wish I could say that we were immediately successful at that. Because the reason I mention it is because it hit us quickly. Um, we had great success and growth in the early days, which is why within a couple of years we were buying another brewery. But the reality is markets change, and they change quickly over time. And you need to keep your finger on that pulse. And at the same time, do your best to be conservative when the market's growing. Find your place and and make sure that you're not overbuying um, or or expecting next month to ex- to respond the same as this month did. Um, and some of those are straight up. Even if you do grow at that rate, if your market continues to grow, your cash flows are not going to continue that way. And so as you invest in the growth of your business and machinery, tools, that kind of stuff, your your market may not follow in that same straight line and you'll find yourself quickly stepping beyond your cash flow and you'll find an inability to pay your bills and i've been there and it's not not fun all right so what's the uh what's the 
What's the funniest thing of, of being next to Tango Mike? <laughs> you know what? The, 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 one of the craziest parts is because Tango Mike is actually seeing some good success. Um, we've had a, a number of folks here in this area, in this little community that we've got. That, that that haven't had that same kind of success, and he's brought in a lot of customers, which has has made it so that we have to start coordinating and work with when when we want a lot of customers. We're a brewery; we bring in a lot of stuff, and it can be disruptive of what he's doing. And we need you know we we try to make sure that we communicate what we're doing so that he has an ability to adjust his customers to to fit that in um as as he grows we're gonna have to do the same thing to make sure that we allow that kind of same growth and uh, for for um for just the um, marketing pieces that he does um that's i won't call it the funniest thing it just happens to be a weird scenario where you as, as a a business your your side partners or your side businesses don't always have the same perspective as you and you need to keep on working on that yeah i I definitely said it's been a great great partnership there marty uh uh, the clientele that we have especially here with adventure brewery uh the clients that come here to to enjoy the beers is just just phenomenal uh whenever i'm doing uh or talking with my clients uh with when it comes to ceramic coating paint corrections we always thought to have a beer and it's just it's just phenomenal especially being right next door i think one of the funniest things that has happened on my side that y'all were y'all didn't see uh so with the shop now the way it looks with the graffiti and stuff like that we actually have photographers that'll book the shop to have women come and do photos and stuff like that or, or photo shoots right so we've actually had two two different photo shoots where they were like in lingerie. One of them was walking from shop to shop in their lingerie and stuff like that. So the shop next to us or, or Steve was like, hey, uh, put a robe on her or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, she walked out the shop. And I, don't, I don't know. But uh, that was definitely an interesting Tuesday uh, afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty cool stuff. It gets kind of wild on Tuesday afternoon, huh? <laughs> Tuesdays up here are, are generally you know, for the brewery kind of quiet. It's, but but uh, we've in the second location that I mentioned, I was doing some kayaking this morning. Um, we've started a, a a new organization called the Adventure Club, and that's what's starting to do these these trips. But that's down in the Eagle Village location. But that keeps me out of this area, so I don't get to see that on Tuesdays as often. That's cool. Okay, so what is your favorite beer, just in general, ever? Favorite beer, and then what's the favorite beer that you guys make? It's going to sound self-serving, but I really do enjoy for my the, the, the best beer ever is my go-to, and that's the Expedition IPA. Um, there are there one of the beers that counts at the very top would be the Pliny the uh, Elder and Pliny the Younger uh, from uh, um, what's it Rush. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It's Russian, uh, a brewery out in California. Um, they make some significantly tasty beer, and and there are so many beers these days in any community. Uh, even hey, if- community. Clink, clink, clink. Boom! Clink. You caught me on that one. <laughs> um, but there's there's a general rule about breweries now that says if you're not making good beer, you're not in the business. You will not make it. Um, in the early days, you could say I'm in craft brewing and 
and make a make some business out of that. Now it just doesn't happen. Um, but in in Stafford, we have at this point nine breweries in the in the local area. They are all making great beer, mm-hmm. um, and and we tend to spend a lot of time with the uh, the economic development of the of the county making sure that everything we do focuses all of the brewery's efforts on bringing people in and that's just good for every business in the area but in terms of beer that i enjoy and love sorry to say expedition, expedition is my go-to and favorite beer why? it's a it's an easygoing ipa it is uh i i there's there's some great IPAs out there that that I when the when the feeling hits I want a heavy IPA that's going to tear my mouth apart with a, with all the taste, but Expedition is somewhere right around the um, IPA level and pale ale level. It's somewhere right in that middle range, and it's just an easy drinking beer that I, I always go to. Cool hops. What hops? Uh, hops would be Citra, uh, Citra Columbus. And um, and a little bit of uh, a Cascade. Um, mm. we, I'll probably like that. <laughs> yeah, we um, at the same time historically, when the recipe was created, we also used um, basically salva, uh, basically a different hop out of New Zealand, um, and that hop would give it a little bit of a white wine bite at the end. Mm. And so it was the same recipe, but the, the basically that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we, at, at that point, there was just a little bit of a, a a different profile at the end of the beer. That hop, in particular, got um, had some problems. It was only only sold from New Zealand, and they ran into some some uh, ecological issues, and that hop failed for several years and it got incredibly hard to get a hold of and got incredibly expensive and so we had to pull back on that in terms of our production beers so uh first off i smell it's very piney that's i mean you're i mean that's that's going to come across of with with a lot of the dry hopping that we do you're going to get some of those columbus provides a little bit of that piney um in addition to its citrusy type hop you're going to get there yeah which is what's interesting normally when you take that right does anybody ever drink an ipa and you just go like it's too bitter and you normally have that piney smell to it so i first i went "Uh uh-oh like but but then the the pine goes away and yeah the citra hop and everything smooths itself out man it's it's a good community beer (laughs) (laughs) chink (laughs) clink clink All right, so I I want to pass this over to the uh, to the young detailer. When you hear of you know wanting to step out on your own, right, and wanting to do stuff, and then you you hear and we've said it, you know, there's always tough times, there's always struggles, there's always different things. Like, what goes through your head? Like, if you could think of, hey, you know, if, if you've owned a company for so long, what question would you think to ask somebody that's owned a company and gone through what he's gone through? Yeah. Um. No, I get it. Tough question. When yeah, you think of business, a, though, when you think of, like, how to grow your business. Yeah, well, so if you asked me, like, five years ago, what would you do in five years? I uh-huh. would have never guessed 
doing this and yeah um it's been a crazy journey i definitely have loved it um definitely have up and downs slow months crazy months um what was your question again i mean just just if you had a question like um thinking of a you know starting out so young and yeah. then, you know going through so much you know what i yeah no worries i don't just know i don't know didn't know if the thing was picking at your brain yeah i assume you've been through a lot of the same things that i just talked about mm-hmm. um as as well as the, there are several places where where you find yourself questioning your ability to run the business and those are in they said in in other other, other company relationships um, in how you're able to grow the company um, to to actually build in the things where eventually you might be able to pull some money and actually pay yourself. Um, that, that's a that's a huge question because um, as a, as an owner as somebody who believes in your product, you start out with I don't care if I pay myself right away. I need to get this business started, but eventually you need to pay yourself. I'm hoping to do that someday. <laughs> I guess my question would be to a um, business owner would be, you mentioned before when you hit that plateau. I guess the question, would, the question would be, when you hit that plateau, what's the mindset to get you over the plateau? It is to make sure that you realize that you're going to get through it. Um, you're going to have to find the um, extra extra push to make sure that you can do it, that make sure your team's ready to do it and make sure that you let your suppliers and the other people that you're working with know that you're running into some problems. Um, most, most of your suppliers and everybody else is ready to work with you. And, and that's, that's really a, a part that's as a new business owner, um, you don't think of, they want to get their money and you want to give them their money. But you need to communicate as you're going through to make sure that they understand where you're at because they're almost always willing to help you. Well, not even thinking about money because you probably, maybe let me just ask, are you meaning like because you might have, uh, where you purchase large and you get, you know, terms and stuff like that. I would think uh, working with somebody that you're purchasing from just to help you navigate through not necessarily always for them. It might not always be about terms or anything like that. But if they work with a supplier, work with multiple, and just ask questions, hey, what's wh- what do you know what's going on? Hey, anything new? Hey, anything that I've, you know, if you're hearing, is that, what do you think about that? From a supplier perspective, most of our, most from a brewery perspective, most of our products are a set realm. So I've got a certain, a limited ability to uh, adjust the product cost. Um, and I have, as a brewery, as a manufacturer, I have to bring in a certain amount of inventory, and I have to transform that into beer and move that inventory out. Um, so th- the, the interesting thing is a person who sells us grains doesn't understand the brewing industry. They don't understand that. They don't have an ability to recognize that I'm going to transform this product they just gave me into a product that I can sell over a period of about a, of about a month. And then hopefully I'm going to be able to sell that. Um, and so to answer your question, it's generally unlikely that I'm going to be able to get them to terms that that says um, 
that gives them a greater understanding of where, when and how they're going to work their, work their model with me. I'm going to subscribe to theirs. And, and so there, there are many places where you're working business to business. Marketing um, would be, a, so the, the, to, to hit your example, in a marketing standpoint, I have people that uh, provide me merchandise, sorry, merchandising, that provide me merchandise and we work together in terms of me describing what we're going to do with their merchandise, how we're going to sell it, and they help me design that. They help me understand how they've sold it with, uh, sold it and designed it with others, and I can use that to better guide me in how I'm going to be able to do it with myself. Um, that I, hopefully that yeah. is more pointed to your question. Cool. No, I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Let's let's talk to Gil. All right, Gil. Yeah. Talk to us about the new shop. All right. Since we've been here, mm-hmm. you've you've moved on to a new location. We did. We did. Two doors down. We did. So so yeah. But still have the old location. We still have the old location. So yeah, interesting time. Uh, around February time frame, uh, we were already on schedule to move over into this shop. Uh, if you notice on the other shop that we had, that's where the body shop is at, and they were expanding. And because we all love each other, I mean, we got. A motorcycle shop, then it was my bay, and then a uh, automotive uh, uh, collision repair shop. So with their expanding, they do phenomenal work. It was just us moving into this new shop that's right next door and basically vacating the other one. And that was right when COVID was hitting. So when COVID started hitting for the body shops, I mean, they lost all revenue from the rental companies because everything just shut down. The rental company shut down. The dealerships weren't doing. So all of a sudden, like, there was no accidents. <laughs> People weren't driving. Oh. So with that said, the body shop said, hey, I'm not taking over that shop after all. Uh, it gave me the opportunity. And keep in mind, this is right around March time frame where COVID was really hitting hard. This shop, we were already about 80% complete. We had already painted it and stuff like that. And then the landlord was like, hey, we have an opportunity. The, the body shop doesn't want to take your shop. I was okay, but I already moved, <laughs> so so I'm not going to move back to that one. I've already invested time into this one. But was, no, no, no. What I'm asking is, would you like to have both? And that was a time where I actually had to sit down and said, how am I going to move the needle? I think you were talking about that, Jerome, hitting a plateau because we were kind of already in that plateau when it came to Tango Mike. We needed to do something different. So I doubled down, talked with the staff first because I want to make sure that my staff's ready to roger up with me and that we're going to do this. Uh, and I make sure we had that long talk with each other like, hey, guys, this is a big lift. Can we do it? First thing that came out of their mouth was like, hell, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So with that said, uh, that March 1st, uh, I only had two days to make a decision whether I was going to take that shop. And I said, let's do it. And think about it. This is March 1st. This is where COVID was already about to. Yeah, yeah. So we doubled down and said, okay, uh, balls to the walls. Let's hit it. And gratefully so, because once we hit it, once we got both sides. matter of fact, the day that we had our lease, everything doubled for us the ceramic coatings i mean we were going from doing one or two coatings a week to we were doing what like five or six ceramic coatings at that time it was just car after car after car so having that extra bay made a huge it it just paid off it paid off uh, instantly uh so yeah so that's how we come to the genesis of having now two bays uh this one's will be we uh uh lovingly called a gallery slash showroom 
Um, that's where we show all the fancy cars and stuff like that. And then the other one sometimes looks like a chop shop because uh, <laughs> we do do uh, uh, if, uh, is Shane around? Shane's not around. Is there so Shane down there? So just so you know, uh, Marty. So you know, in the detailing industry, it's always good to have different revenues or different uh, different streams of revenue to to keep feeding the shop, especially during the winter times, because ain't a lot of washing cars and detailing cars in, in the winter. So one of the things that we that that I wanted to do with Tango Mike is provide an extra service to our clients. Uh, when it comes to the vehicle wraps and PPF. So that's that's just a natural genesis of detail shops. They want to add that to it. But I didn't really have any wrap shops here in the area that I actually could trust. And that's where that guy over there came in, Escott Designs. So he came in. So anytime you'll see Tangle Mike, because we are getting ready to move uh, a franchise and open one up in Laredo, uh, you'll always see Tangle Mike and Escott Designs. So he's the guy, Escott Wraps. Uh, Escott, do we, do we go over wraps? Uh, yeah. So Escott Wraps. So uh, that's the other part of Tangle Mike. And now the other shop is where we do the PPF. We do the wraps. And uh, when when Shane gets a car, sometimes you'll we'll, we'll we'll have bumpers taken apart, doors and stuff like that. So it'll look like a chop shop, car on the lift, everything taken off, uh, just so we could do or Shane could do what he needs to do, and then put them back together. So there, <clears throat> there's not only been some shop change a little bit over the past year, mm-hmm. but actually there's been some you know team enhancement in a sense, yes. right? Yes. All yes. right, let's pass it on down. <laughs> Where to start. All right, let's let's talk about congratulations, ladies. Yeah, it's it was just really shocking today. Looking back at you know last year, literally almost the same day, we we were the ones playing with the buffers for the very first time, and we were the ones soaking up all the information about all the different details and all the ceramic coats and like how to do stuff. And it's like here we are, only a year afterwards, that we're the ones teaching, and it's just. It, I don't you just you don't think about it. it goes by so fast and it's like nice to know that you've come so far and you've been super successful with it and like there's so much more to learn and carry on with so and and that's huge Marty just a uh, uh, of, of course you know the genesis and you've seen uh, the team here grow uh, you, you you've known Hannah you know uh, Maria for a while already and, and it's amazing what these two young ladies have brought to the table and uh, to, to include Nacho so Nacho Nacho's starting to, to learn the paint correction side and ceramic coating and that's the one thing that Tango Mike is really really known for yes we do do detailing but the one thing that we do very well and, I, and I'm very grateful for the staff that we have is the paint correction ceramic coating that's something that we, that we are very well known for um, but with this the, these two young ladies I mean we've had our, our challenges right uh, we've had, I mean, we've been to car shows where we're riding shotgun. We all have our Tango Mike uh, uh, hoodies and stuff like that. And I'm introducing these two young ladies to different folks. And, and we, we've had that, that one time where uh, you had that one customer. Right? Yeah, we've we got to be nice to the customers. <laughs> we've got to be nice to the you don't know Ugh. You don't know who's listening, all right? So, so you know, with, with, with uh, what they do, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, when it comes to these two ladies, I would put them against any, any reflection artist, any paint correction specialist. I mean, these girls just, just deliver top of the line, first class paint correction. I mean, it's artwork to them. And, and you're talking about two girls that love cars. Uh, so with that said, I mean, we've had our challenges when uh, we've had that one customer that they're looking and they're when it when it comes to me and presenting Jerome and stuff like that or, or, or they see Austin to them. I was like, oh, OK, that's good. Yeah, I'll trust you. Here's my keys. Uh, but we've had our times where 
we're looking at them. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is my lead shop uh, manager. And they were like, oh, she was she about like 19, <laughs> right? What's that little girl? Uh, yeah, what's that little girl going to do? That weird girl and, with the mohawk. And we actually, we actually had one client yep. say like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think they really know no, that much. No, no. What happened was Gil made the comment, which is true, that uh, me and Maria tend to know more about cars than most gentlemen do. And so when Gil had mentioned that, this guy turns and goes, ah, yeah, I doubt that. And me and Maria just gave him this look like, all right, you just you just signed yourself up for a test. Like, let's get it because uh, we're going to change your mind. So and we did. Yeah, you should have seen his face when he uh, picked up the car. He looked at the, the garage door went open. And he looked at it, he was like, holy shit, this is the same car. Oh yeah, it is. It is, and that's these two girls doing what they yeah, do. Yeah, I was like, "Hold my earrings! I'm about to fight this man!" <laughs> like, if he is not happy with yeah. this, like, it was a beautiful classic demon, like yeah. with a custom paint job, which you know he thought he had gotten the best out of this paint job, and you know much couldn't change with it. But we we made it look made it a shine. lot. It, it made it shine. <laughs> yeah, it was so much better. It actually won awards in Carlisle, which is one of the biggest places where you go for car shows. So last year, there was a bit of a challenge, I think. Female detailers are better than male detailers. <laughs> I don't even know what happened with that. <laughs> I, oh, I was just going to see if there's an update to that. That's all. You know, we don't have to bring it back. I just didn't know if there was anything <laughs> else that uh, you wish to add to that. Uh... Well, the only thing that I can say is that we're still here. We're still grinding. And we're getting better every day. So I think that's. Recently, that's just just it. Okay, now Tank, I think this is where you do this. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people like we tell everyone that we're now a majority female, and uh, well, with Nacho, we had to give him an update on his name to fit in with the female crew. So he's actually Francesca. So Frenchy. yeah, Frenchy. Frenchy for short. So we're hoping that we'll kind of help him become a better detailer. You know, bring in that feminine side. <laughs> so growing the hair out, what about the mohawk? Oh. No. He can't handle it. He can't, can't handle, handle it. it. It's not no. ready. It's not ready. <laughs> so how's how's the year overall? How, how have you guys been feeling? It's been the biggest challenge we have now is trying to get a consistent detail team that's on to our standards. So me and Maria, we're the paint correction specialists. So whenever there's a car that needs paint correction, like that's that's our project. But we still need, she leads the detail team. But we're trying to get up to that point where she doesn't have to, you know, babysit anymore. That we're trying to get everybody up to our standard. And that's been the hardest challenge for us because it's just... We, we, I don't even know. We've tried everything. And you don't we can't ever get it. struggle with team members, do you? <laughs> That's never happened with us. We've never had that <laughs> one. Yeah, never. No company ever struggles with that. <laughs> it's a common factor. You just get through it and get over it. Mm-hmm. Work with your team. When, like, you guys bring a new team member, how do you guys, like, start them from nothing and make them into something? Like, where do you guys. Um, how do you guys start, start, start that? So, so first of all, I got to make sure that, uh, the team member is going to match, uh, mesh with my team. Bottom line, uh, uh, 
I got to make sure the personalities and all that's going to mesh. After that, you know, you learn to work with them. You know, sometimes some of them have life issues and stuff like that. And, you, you know, we're, we're trying to build a family. So uh, when it comes to Tangle Mike, um, so we definitely have that component. First thing is making sure that they mesh with the team. You know, make sure that we're not going to, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have someone that knows absolutely nothing about detailing. Uh, but has a good attitude, has a good work ethic, versus having that one guy that's that's phenomenal when it comes to detailing, but is just an a-hole, right? Uh, uh, and we actually had that. <laughs> we actually had one guy wanted to come back, and the girls ran him out of <laughs> the shop. He never asked me. He didn't ask me to come back again. But so that, and then, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and keep in mind, we're 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 uh, my staff's about eight 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 eight, uh, eight employees uh, to include one admin person that actually does uh, uh, some of you know customer outreach and stuff like that uh, for us. But uh, starting the foundation. Like uh, before they get off the detailing team and moving on to a paint correction, you got to learn you got to learn how to wash a car. You got to learn how to clean the car, uh, not only just clean it, but clean it effectively uh, within a certain time. You know, for, you know, when, when people are asking me why the details cost so much or in, at any given time, if I have a team of four people, that's ninety dollars an hour that I'm pushing out around that just to clean a car. So if a car takes me two hours to clean, that's one hundred and eighty dollars off the bat just to pay my team. That's not even talking about all the other stuff. This is just to pay my team. So if the customer's only paying $200 for a detail and it's taking them three hours, I'm losing money at that point. So it's it, it, it really challenging. But uh, taking them down to the building blocks foundation, uh, putting them on wheels. My son, that's one of my detailers now, uh, it took him a while to learn to do wheels. Uh, but now he's got it pretty good. And sometimes, like we actually have a, a, a chalkboard that we actually put – uh, whenever we have a couple cars, a person's assigned a certain thing. Someone's doing windows the same. The same person doing windows. Same okay, person so let's pause. Can we pause right there and let's talk about that, right? Because I think it's a it's a it's a struggle, no doubt, on how to bring somebody first of all to get to the point of growing. But then once you want to bring a team member on, that first team member, it can be extremely difficult to to bear. How, what do you what do you put them on? What do you, what do you, what do you have them do? You mentioned wheels, right? So why'd you go with wheels? Why'd you go with with certain things that you went with? Um, actually, I don't, I don't know. If there's really method to the madness. Uh. <laughs> Thanks, like oh yeah, yeah. there is. Well, <laughs> there's <laughs> any detailer will know. There's certain parts of vehicles that they just like. Windows. Everybody hates windows. They are the hardest to reach. They, you can spend hours on windows and they will still end up hazy. And like now with our crew, like we've had to take a step back. And originally it was just like one person does the windows, they're done. Now we're going to have to cut back and automatically we're assigning two different people to do the windows once in the beginning. And then once we've washed the car and like do the final quality check, there always has to be someone to go back through and do it again because we're struggling with those windows of getting them perfected and it's just one of those things so like generally with us which I would think most other detailers it's the wheels like you know you when the car's parked you get the wheels you think they're perfect but the second the car rolls you see the underside of the wheel that you missed so you always have to check your wheels again we've been struggling with jams and keeping those clean so it's just those certain parts that I guess with other places that I've been it was just easier to assign one person to do a job individually until they perfected it. So then once everybody's perfected, you know, 
whoever's good at wheels and whoever's good at windows, then you can swap and have them learn the new skill to perfect it. So, yeah, it's, I don't even know. <laughs> yes. I think I think I can be a, a testimony to that. When I came to Gil, when I first met Gil and came along, I thought I knew how to detail a car. But at the same time, I, I think I'm a humble individual to be able to learn from others. So Gil was able to teach me the steps of detailing a car. I was washing cars, now it's detailing cars. So uh, when it goes back to meshing with the team, like that's that's real, like because you can have teammates, team members that can be a holes and they can get ran off the block and things of that nature. So it's it's very important to have teams that you know are on the same page. And I think that comes down to really what our next big struggle with hiring people onto the team is finding that passion. You know, we can find people every day that want a job and make money, but to find people that will mesh together because they share the same passion is so hard. Cause like that previous guy that we had, that was an a-hole. Like he was only there for the money and like it, it, we, our standard was low and things were just not getting done. So it's so hard to find somebody that you all are on the same page. Yeah, and regarding the passion too, I started one year ago, and I've been always passionate about cars. And if you don't have that, it's going to be difficult for you to keep on track. For example, um, like we mentioned before, doing wheels over and over again, yeah, it can, it can be tiring, but you are going to know where to look, what to clean, and how to do it with time. Yes, sometimes it sucks, but if you don't have the passion and the will to do it and, you know, grow within the company, then it's not going to it's not a, it's not going to mean something for you. So you have to have that. That's like your baseline. All right. So as you're hearing what they're saying, right, and thinking there's a way, you know, uh, you know, different industry, but it's business and you've got team members, you've got people you hire. What goes through your head when you're hearing some of the things that they're talking about, some of the struggles? Any any advice? I, I'm not sure I've got advice. Um, what are the things as a brewery that I can convey? And, and I would ask the big question for all of you is where do you find the people that have passion for your industry? And I will point out a, an area where we had some trouble early on. And that involved us looking towards professionals in the service industry to service our customers. And that turned out to be the wrong answer because they didn't enjoy, they weren't focused on what we deliver. And we don't deliver alcohol. We don't deliver a nightclub atmosphere. We deliver craft beer and we want our people to enjoy and love what we do. Where do you guys find people who love and enjoy detailing? It's awful because you would think automatically that like, oh, anybody that's in the car world, like they want to take care of their car and they think it's perfect. And those are the absolute worst people. Like they're the ones like we don't even have them as clients because they think they're so good that they don't need anybody else to touch their car. So that's the struggle we get all the time, especially with women. Like 
it's very hard to find any woman that's interested in cars at all. So, so do you have to find somebody that's passionate about the industry or do you have to find somebody that's passionate about the role in the business? The role doesn't matter as much. Um, they have to love kind of what you're doing and what you're doing for people. They have to come in and go, I really love, for us, I really love craft beer. I love the different flavors. I love how it comes out. And more than that, I love telling people about the products that I love. And marketing comes down to every aspect of your business, from the person who is adding the appropriate air to a tire mm -hmm. to the person who is doing the best job on windows, apparently. <laughs> I think we also kind of have an advantage of being able to start with younger people because um, they're still so moldable and they don't really know where to begin in life or anything. And we do have a girl on our team that um, she's a good friend of mine that, you know, she was in between leaving high school and about to start college. And I was like, well, if you want to just make some side money, like, We'll see how it goes, see if this is something you might be like, because that's me. I'm always, you know, trying to give opportunities to others. This might be something you like. I didn't know I was into cars this much. And uh, it's so adorable watching her like, oh, what that that's a Porsche, right? That's that's what that is. And like she's slowly learning like the different types of cars and like all this stuff. But she's she wants to learn. She's listening to what we have to say because she's maybe not completely passionate about cars, but just she's passionate about the information and the learning and the understanding. So like, I like that a lot too. And I think that's where we kind of will find what we need instead of just automatically going out to the car people and stuff like that. So yes. And she loves yes. wheels. She's yeah. obsessed with wheels. She's consistently dirty she's all the time. Cleaning wheels. Yes. <laughs> all right. So let's get into some more technical questions in a sense of, if you if you got somebody that you're looking for, right? An idea of right. We just said somebody's passionate. You know, you kind of lay out what you're looking for in a team member. Then how did you go about finding them? That's a terrific question. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's um, you can use all the standard job finding areas, but the best place that we found them is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. It's always that um, if if somebody comes in word of mouth then somebody else has vouched for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, at, at the same time, we are a pass-through industry in, in terms of the people that, that are going to work for us. Um, they are phenomenal people. I, the people that come through and work for us are people that are going to be business leaders and, and important people in the futures, uh, in, in my future. Um, it, it's amazing how that happens. Um, but... These, I, I have to assume that it has to happen in every other business. And and so we look for those people that will that, that have something, a vision towards the future. Um, it may not involve us, but they also, once again, they enjoy and love what we're trying to do. Cool. All right. They're going to hop up. Uh, I think Chef has some steaks yeah. fresh off the grill. Uh, one of the great things about hanging out over at Tango Mike's is he loves to eat. As much as I do. So uh, uh, he has this incredible chef that cooks us the most amazing meals. We're going to go out and eat some steak, some salad. They're going to go ahead and dismiss themselves, but I'm going to quiz you for a little bit. Uh -oh. All right. Pass the mic over. You guys go start eating. There's going to be a line, so we can't go anyway. 
We might as well talk about beer. That, that's what I'd like talking there about. There we go. There like we go. Drinking. All right. So, community. All right. So, <laughs> community and beer. All right. Beers. We have been on a journey on the podcast uh, drinking Oktoberfest, right? So, we started going into the fall. I bought a as much pumpkin ales as I could find, and then as much Oktoberfest as I could find. And I've just been hoarding them, right? right. Because that's what okay. you do. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to be around forever. We try. Yeah. It's an, an important aspect of what we're doing. We, we, we want to make sure that as we brew them, um, that we're not going to have to maintain them throughout the holidays, throughout the holidays as we go into, um, into the other styles of beers. All right. So let's dive in, though, to what goes into a Oktoberfest because, man, I really, this, I'm, I'm already uh, a cup and a half in. Really smooth, really like the flavor, but talk to me about, you know, what's, is it, you know, there's definitely some malt in Oktoberfest, is there? Yeah, well, uh, certainly malt, uh, yeah. that's a part of every beer. Um, the the Oktoberfest is a lagered beer. Okay. Um, it is. Uh, it, I know, it, right, hold on. I, I thought I was doing something good, and I was like, it's kind of malty. I thought, and you were like, malt's in every beer. I'm like, fuck, well, you know, we're not, the, <laughs> we're not the best on the pints part of the podcast. We're mostly heavy on the polishing uh, side. But we well, learn, and we just enjoy drinking beer. So, you know, that's why you're well, here, you know. Thank as, you. But as you, as you use that term, uh, malt is a malty term. And that's a flavor profile as well. Okay, and so, so it's extra malty. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> the malt, you know, malt is as we allow sweetness to come into beer. A lot of that's going to uh, show up as a malty flavor. Um, we can adjust a beer to be more bitter or more sweet, and we often try for, especially for this brewery, most of our work is to try and get a balanced beer, which is taking a sugar. And a, and a bitter and bringing them to a balance so you don't taste really much of either. But an Oktoberfest is designed to have a little bit more sweetness. Which is why then on on the IPA, you could smell it, but then it didn't hit you so hard as a lot of other IPAs. It was Correct. more balanced. Correct. We don't always hit it, but that's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. All right. Okay, so what goes into Oktoberfest? Um, well, I'll, I'll, uh, first of all, I will say that in 2014 when we opened... For the first nine months, uh, my partner Tim and I brewed every batch of beer that came through this brewery. Nice. Um, but we both still also have our day jobs. Okay. And and today we still do. Oh. And so by uh, at around nine months, we started bringing in somebody who could brew beer um, full time, and certainly a brewmaster. I think is what they're called. Yeah, has has certainly done things better than we did. Um, and so with that, I'll, I'll give you where I, where I know the specific brands of uh, beer are. Um, but this one is a, it's still a Pilsner based beer. Um, it has, uh, it has, um, once again, some, a light hot profile. And the important part about Oktoberfest is that they, it's, it's a, that Marzen style and they are lagers. And so they are brewed. I'm not sure if you've worked with other or spoken before about lagers, but they're brewed with a different style of yeast, and that's a big part of it. And do not they have a weird temperature setting where you can't brew or they can't sit for in certain temperatures? 
Well, then they have to be in a cooler temperature. And, and that's the point about lagers. So an ale would be an ale would generally be listed uh, somewhere between the high 60s to the low 70s. Um, and a lager is going to run below there um, for a certain period of time, meaning the 60s to maybe the below 70. And then at the long at the tail end of its bro- uh, lagering process is running in the 40s. And so it takes a longer time to ferment, which gives it a, just a very different profile. And, and often people call it a crisper, cleaner profile. All right. So we did, uh, on the last episode, we did some of the uh, almost like did you knows of Oktoberfest and some of the weird things. So it was interesting. Um, Oktoberfest, the beer, was developed, and I could go back. I don't remember the guy's name. Some some prince that uh, was getting married and they created the beer in honor of his marriage. And so every year when we drink Oktoberfest, it honors a prince and his marriage. It really does. Badass is that? (laughs) It really does. How do I be that guy? You got that part, but even, even better than that is while it was created in October, um, they realized in Germany that it was too damn hot in October and so Oktoberfest is generally run in Germany in September. Yeah. And that's why we that's why every year about mid uh, mid September we run our Oktoberfest. Yeah. So interesting traditions through Oktoberfest. Uh have you ever celebrated Oktoberfest? This year my partner Tim and I, my wife, his partner and um and a couple other people had expected to go to Germany to celebrate October. Oh, like there. We were there. We were there. We, it's paid for. Um, they canceled it. Oh. And, and at this point, it's scheduled for next year. And so we'll be there. All right. Presumably in 2021. But, but. like, uh, what about any local? Do, do, locally, do you guys have an October fest? Uh? We did yeah. We did it here in September. Roger, they actually, Adventure Brewing actually did an Oktoberfest here in September, latter part of September, if I'm not mistaken. Food trucks, uh, people dancing to German music and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. I think the only thing we didn't have was like the Red Light District or anything. Like that. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those that's like, it, you definitely party. Oktoberfest is, is super fun. Back in Tulsa, mm-hmm. we have actually, I think that there's people that put it in the top five. Uh, it's definitely been in the top ten, no doubt. We have one of the best Oktoberfest around the world. It's definitely top ten. It's it's a big festival. We have a lot of fun. You drink a lot of beer. Uh, I was going to ask if if you guys have the uh, tradition of, you guys ever have the throwing the coins in the beers? You Never heard of that one. One, yeah. of the, one of the one of the most interesting things that we've taken on for the last couple of years is to take a firkin, and tap that one and open up the spigot until it's gone, with the crowd that's participating. Okay, help us understand Firkin. <laughs> a Firkin is a cake. Because I think Tank was thinking of the twerking that I was doing earlier. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I want to make sure she can finish her steak. <laughs> so let's let's clarify what you're talking about. A, a Firkin's a 10-gallon keg um, that is generally not supplied with carbonation. Um, and so it's gravity-fed. Um, it sucks in oxygen over time. And you'll see a lot of places that will serve firkins of different types of beers where, once again, they'll open them, and it allows oxygen to come into the beer, and it'll change the flavor of the beer as it's being served over maybe a one- or two-day period. Um, For our Oktoberfest, we open that tap line 
or that that firkin and people line up and they grab their cups and they fill them until it's empty that's awesome that's awesome i see the steaks looking pretty good we got salad a lot of good grub uh puerto rican rice rice. so yep so we want to thank you for your time uh where do people find you on social adventurebrewing.com it's very you know just go out there search for adventure and beer and you'll find us all the same place, Adventure Brewing on Facebook, Instagram, and all of those places. All right, swag and stuff there. Not online. You're not going to be able to find it unless you come to the brewery. Okay. All right. So everybody's got to come see Tango Mike and then come down and have a beer. That's the best. I love when I, I love when people come and visit him or people come visit us, and you, you have no idea how happy it makes me when somebody goes, "Hey, I came over to the brewery and and we ended up with you." But it also makes me happy. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for the great description of the beer. But most of all, thanks for making the beer because, hey, that's what makes community. Cheers. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Gil, let's go hop over. Let's grab some steak. Thanks for your time, man. And uh, we'll be back. All right. So we're back. Uh, Full belly. Oh, my. Oh, you're out of here? All right, hold on. Before you leave, tell people where to find you on social. Uh, you can check me out on AFH underscore detailing, um, Instagram, and then Facebook, A's Firehouse Detailing. So, yeah. Cool. Thanks, Thank man. Much. It was great meeting you. Yeah, you too, Thanks man. for hanging out. Y'all have a great night. All right. Pleasure. Talk to you soon. Take the salad with you. Hope to see you soon. <laughs> Take it to the, to the fire station. Oh, all right. Trying to warm up, but... Full belly, man, steak was great, salad, I threw some chicken on it, it was delicious, love it, always great, always great food when we come to Tango Mike's. All right, so the question that's been tossed around a little bit was, do do you work with other breweries, how well do you work with other breweries, detailers have always questioned if we should or shouldn't. You made a statement a second ago, and that's why I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're giving out all the good nuggets. We had to get uh, going with pressing play. So we started these free trop- free pop-up trainings, right? So that's why I'm here. Uh, there's free trainings. We come in, allow detailers come in and learn. They get to know and can hopefully build and grow their business. So we started back in 2000 and, uh, well, about 2012, and 13 maybe, something around there, um, with detailers just in the state of Oklahoma. And they would come in to, uh, into the warehouse and learn how to, and we'd have all different types of sessions, all different types of things. And the saying that we had was, as the tide rises, so shall we all. So do all the ships. So when you said that, I was like, no, 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 stop. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) So that saying, in a sense, has a very, you know, it's long ingrained into then why we have a community. Clink. Clink. Um, It's because, yeah, we feel that if we can put out enough great information to the community, then we can all together grow and develop. And then that's best for our customers, best for us, that's best for our industry. So how do you guys see it as a as a brewery? That is that's the quintessential brewery aspect, uh, craft brewing 
was all about growing and increasing the people that were brewing beer. As a, we'll call it entertainment, as a attractive business that brings in people for tourism and otherwise, the idea was if there are many more breweries, then we will attract more people and therefore we will get uh, a greater income and, and grow. But So you don't think of them as competition and they're going to take your customers from you? That's, a, that's the important question is early on, that's exactly where every brewery was at. It was, we're going to grow it. We're going to find other breweries to open up near us and it's going to make more and more people. We're going to get more and more customers. That's where we were. And then the enormous growth occurred. Between 2010 or so and 2020, the industry has grown the number of breweries exponentially. And we still support each other. We are not quite as clear on the, on the context of um, if we want a, a ton more to grow. In 2014, when we opened, we opened and, and a small brewery opened up a couple weeks after we did. And it didn't affect us. But two years later, another one did to great fanfare, and we felt it. It's a clear trigger, and, it, and we watched our revenues fall. And every brewery that opened after that, we watched for a period of time our revenues fall and then recover. Um, that's a given. You're going to have to deal with that if you're going to try and bring in people that will make other people, your customers, your customer base grow. I've been uh, I've spent some time talking to Gil and and asking about what the concept is because I still have a hard time understanding what the detailing business really is. And I wonder if your customer base needs to grow exponentially. And so I am in no way in a position so to So define that. What do you mean? I mean, why does a customer base need to grow exponentially? Well, if they don't understand what your industry is, then they're not going to come. But if you can garner them or transform them into somebody who understands what you're doing and what you can do for them, then it's no longer a point of you trying to steal the customers of, of other businesses. It's you trying to get more customers into the industry. Eventually, like the brewing industry, you find yourself at a point where the customer base has reached a plateau. And now the only way to get additional customers is to pull them from other areas, which is other breweries and that kind of stuff. Um, and though we are, uh, we are friends, we trust and help each other, we know that we're now in competition with each other. And that's been for a, a few years now. Um, and so it's a transition point. But the important part is... You're either in competition with your your fellow detailers or you're working as a team to develop more customers. When the when that thing ends, it's uh, work your best, show you're the better product. Is your only competition the other craft breweries, or is your competition also Coors Light and the big the big the big canners? They are still brewers. If we wanted to find Coors yeah. Light yeah. as a beer, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real. Honest. I will, as no, as a as a craft brewer, I will tell you that your brewers of craft 
of, of uh, Coors Light, Budweiser. I can walk anywhere in the world and get the same product anywhere. They are doing a fantastic job in the product that they sell. It is not. My co-host loves Coors Light, so I always <laughs> rag on it every chance I get. So I, I get what you're doing, but that was that was specific yeah. of the reason why I said that. <laughs> but the, the, the important point is those guys are there for a reason. They've been brewing for a hundred years plus. Have you been to the Coors Library? It's horrific. <laughs> <laughs> but whether you whether you call it you know hydration liquid or oh okay or otherwise. Um, it, it, the, the important point is water are, flavored are, beer. Is that what you said? They are a competitor, but the in, in the in this in the industry that I'm in, I'm in the craft brewing industry, and the larger macro brewers have tried to invade it, and they are making progress, but they still haven't made as much as you would imagine. Um, it's the same kind of you. You guys are in a niche industry. Mm-hmm. And you're eventually going to touch the toe of somebody who really cares about it. Until then, focus on building your industry. And, and if you've got friends, work with your friends. If they're not working with you, don't work with them. Fair enough, fair enough. So how do you, how do you analyze the amount of beer that people drink from a, a main, you know, what what do you what do you guys call the the big companies? Do you have a name for them or any? The macro industry. The macro. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Macro so industry. so when you look at the macro industry, we might look at the macro industry and think car washes. And uh, well, we have a great deal of detail. We have a great deal of detail of about how much beer they're producing, where they're selling it, and how they're selling it. It's uh, they're public companies. This stuff is out there. I don't know if from a perspective of the detailing industry or who you're competing against, you have that level of detail about who your macro competitors are and what they're, what they're doing and where they're getting their customers. Right, but I'm just saying, like, I would think that that would be a crossover analogy in a sense. I agree. If, if I agree. Bud Light, Coors Light would be, you know, the macro. For us, it would probably be tunnel car mm-hmm. washes, maybe dealerships. We might throw dealerships into that. <clears throat> anything that's wholesale and volume rated, anything that's pushing stuff through, and then maybe detailing in more of a shop mm. like this setting would be more of like a craft yeah. type setting, mm. right? Yeah. One of the big questions. Yeah, yeah, more personal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they can't hear you. I feel like it's more per our our industry is more personal than you driving through that that machine and and then you have one or two guys getting paid hourly who are more talking to each other than paying attention to what they're doing to your vehicle. You know, that's where I see that. Even with us, we just had most recently another local detailer group show up across the street. And it's funny because I tried working for them, but they didn't want to hire me. But um, anyway. Not about that. Um, but, you know, at first, like, you think, oh, there's another detailing company next door. Like, oh, they're going to try and, you know, compete with us. But in the end, like, they're marketing a whole different different group. Like, but I'd still prefer what we're doing because, yeah, we're not – our customers are coming back to see us specifically. Like, they want to come see us and hang out with us. And I feel like that group across the street, like, yeah, they're a good, like, family company and, you know, they do good work. 
but they're still catering to somebody that's just looking for a quick wash and they just Google it and that's what's going to pop up. So they're just going to walk over there and go get them. And they just have maybe a bunch of different clients, but we like the people that come back specifically to see us. And I feel like we get more of that because we make it so much more personal. All right. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I want to ask a question. Um, all right. So if we're going to go with the analogy, uh, macro and micro, macro for you is the, the big brands. Macro for us would be car washes. Micro for you would be craft brewery. Micro for us would be a, a detail shop. All right. So how, how do you guys as craft brewers micro think customer base do you only think customer base of fighting over the customer base that's in the micro? How do you go together to do anything on the macro? So uh, the question is a little bit um, of a of a quandary. <laughs> I'll say this: it happens. <laughs> we um we as it's a very different industry, and so as I try to apply it to your industry. What I haven't heard you guys say yet, and I will ask this afterwards, is who is your macro? Because I don't think what I've heard yet is that you have a macro. Okay. What you guys have is larger, larger, medium competitors. Ours is macro industry that is, their, their, their goal is to take over the world with their beer. Um, is to do everything they can to get as much sales and, and that kind of stuff. And by doing that, they will often just overlook. And they overlook the entire craft industry the entire time that we were developing. So that was what allowed us to support each other and grow that until it became recognized by them. Um, with each other, it's very easy for us within an area to do events that support us all. Um, because our primary customer base is generally within five to ten miles, and we also we also want to become that. Wow, we've just done something great, and it draws in customer base from outside of our area. Realistically, that's who we're after. So, when you find yourselves with a competitor within a few miles that's doing the same thing as you, the answer is we are competing. We're always competing, and, and though, we, though we've always conveyed the sense that we support each other, and we do, when it comes down to it, we are out for our own businesses. We have to push that, and it's the only way we're going to survive. I don't know. I was just thinking that, like, the whole macro, like, is there, is there really, like, a macro, like, you know, I know of like chemical guys, but they kind of made it towards more of, you know, their chemicals. Like there's not really like, oh, we're a chemical guy standard detailing company. Like I don't know of chemical guys. Well, that's guys why I detailers. took car washing. Yeah. Because on a macro, they just clean a lot more cars. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of detailers that complain about customers going to car washes. Similar to, I think, when I go to craft breweries and done the tours and the different stuff, they usually will, if, you, if you're in a certain area like Kansas City, if you're in Denver, if you're in places that are close to the big boy, they usually are always throwing darts at the big boy. And what do we do as detailers? We're always throwing darts at people that go through car washes or dealerships. Yeah. That's where I took that analogy because they just do a lot more. It's yeah. more volume. So you can have this. Um, well, here's where I'll differ from that. Once again, we have a big boy, not big boys. We have a big boy. 
We have or a handful of big boys. We have cores. We have InBevTel, which is a, a conglomerate that's, that connects continents in terms of who they're selling to. So the question that I've really got for consideration is, do you guys have something that's organized above a regional effort? Excuse me as I try to think of the name of the company, but I know that it's a detail something. And I know they opened a location in Hampton last year around the time I opened my business. And they have a location in like the D.C. Northern Virginia area, but on the West Coast. I mean, in California alone, you're looking at 10, 15 locations for this company. And they don't they're like chemical guys a little bit, but they have shops like it's not just a come and get our product It's come and get our product or drop your car off and get it. And in Vegas, I know they had three locations, and one of them opened right when I moved away. So there's so, some, but that's still going to be my... I think they're it's still, Yeah, still... Is there a Meineke, is there a Meineke level com- competition for what you guys do? I don't believe so. Well, so they're, they're starting to be. So there's apps that have started to come out where you can go search for a detailing company and they're trying to That's what Tango Mike's going to be next. I think that's pretty much what Gil's like goal is is he wants to be the United States so like small goal first United States like company detail like we want to set the standard like oh your company's not good unless it's up to tango mike standard like that's where the competition's gonna be is oh are you as good as them because otherwise your company won't last because like he's already planning on moving down to texas to open a well not him moving but getting a company building established so is that something from a craft brewer you think about from a craft brewery um we're we're very much organic um, there are some that have started with major money just from the beginning or that get bought out by the major players. And you never know. Uh, there, there might be a guy at my door tomorrow who goes, I'm going to offer you a billion dollars. Fingers crossed. But um, no, if, if that happens, we have some decisions to make. But the reality of a, a, an industry and what you just talked about, the possibility, is we're all looking to grow. Some growth is, once again, organic. You slowly grow the, the company, and, and eventually you get some feet, and you go, well, now I have decisions to make about where I grow next. The difference is if you get investors and you decide to grow exponentially because your idea is the trigger, it's the it's the mass marketing trigger, and I don't have that. And it might be really cool if Tango Mike has that. So overall, should we think of other detailers as competitors, or should we work with them? I think that depends on your area. If you're in a city area and you're the only one, or you have two others, and you look at it and go, "We are just not selling ourselves properly." We nobody recognizes. They all think we're car wash. Sounds to me like you need to work together. If you're in an area where everybody already knows where your industry or your your perspective sits you, then you need to compete because these other guys have the same idea as you. Interesting. Interesting. Tank. Yes. What do you think? Um, what uh, I just lost what Gil always says. Oh, he says something about like, you know, we all have to eat. 
I mean, you might not necessarily be eating at our table, but we're not going to try and, you know, keep food from getting into your mouth. Like everybody needs to eat. And I agree with that. Um, around here, like, you know, there's plenty of cars to go around. And me personally, like I want what's best for the cars. And it really hurts when, you know, we have cars coming to our place that, you know, other professional quote unquote detailers have completely messed up. And it sucks to know that like that's the standard people are portraying out there. And so when you say, oh, I'm a detailer and someone's like, oh, well, I got my car detailed and it looked like this, like it ruins it for everybody. So I really like when we have, you know, these sessions with Marty and, you know, these detailing classes to get everybody up on a good level. So that's our area. Like we can have good cars for everybody because that's what it's about is like you know good cars but a lot of the other detailers just aren't on that level because you know they're just doing this to feed themselves and you know they just kind of go feral with that and you know they'll go after anybody that's against it like <laughs> i feel like uh hitting it on something y'all said earlier it's it comes to your passion you know how much you love what you do or you love what you're doing um, I coach cheerleading and I like to, I like to use cheerleading as a big, uh, acronym for stuff I do. Cause I've been doing it for the longest. And, uh, I tell kids all the time, you want to get a skill, you want to go into high school, you want to be on the high school cheer team, but you don't have any tumbling. You can't do anything. And your coach is looking for that. So you come to me and you want to do lessons. Now, how much do you really want it? And how much passion do you have for it? You know, and if she has the kid, if somebody has a passion for it, they're going to do it regardless of what people think, regardless of what somebody says, regardless of how they look doing it. And they're going to perfect it. They're not just going to do it to do it. That's like, uh, that's, I call that a fad. I think that's a fad. Somebody just doing something because it's something to do. Where I feel like as, as us as detailers, you know, if you have a passion for it, you're always going to have a place in it. And no one else is going to look around you and hate you for it. Because as having a passion for something, you're always willing to learn more about it. You're always willing to advance in that area. Unlike those who, who just are doing it to be doing it. That's like somebody getting up every day and going to a job that they hate. Why are you doing it? You can't stand it. Do something else. It'll be better for you and everyone around you. And I enjoy that because I even see it in like the brewery company. I don't drink beer, but it's so obvious when, you know, somebody that just, you know, occasionally brews on their, like my neighbor across the street occasionally brews in his backyard. And, you know, it really sets the standard of like, he's been doing this for years, but it's just a hobby for him. It's nothing super passionate, but, you know, to see a company like Adventure Brewing and seeing where you guys started out. Yeah, you were the same guy on the back porch, but you loved it and you took it so much farther with that passion and that love. And I think that's what separates us from the other detailers is that, you know, they're not going to make it as far as we're going to make it. So, <laughs> well, it's, it's the vision is what you're espousing, right? So you have a vision of what you can and will become. That's incredibly important. That guy who's homebrewing, he loves what he's doing and he's doing a craft and he may be doing it better than us and he may be doing it better than you because he loves what he's doing, but he's never going to make it a business. There's far cry difference in that. Um, in the context of the original question, if you look around and say to yourself, should I compete with my competition or should I cooperate? If you find another company that is as good as you and they are not in direct competition with you, 
then you guys work as a team to make sure everybody else who doesn't have that thing gets munched out of the market. Get them out because they're killing your industry. So make sure that you're you're talking like you guys are doing already. Get together, talk about what makes your industry great, and get the other people that can't get the quality out of your industry because that's how you gain customers and, and, and in your industry. And because you're already doing it, you'll gain them yourselves. I kind of feel like there's a there's two sides to that. Like it's good and it's bad to have them in there. I feel like it's good to have those people in because now we can educate the the, the client on it. You know, we can show the client that there is better. And then once they see us, even if we don't have the most amazingest product, if it was better than what they got before, it's a big difference. That's like us going to McDonald's. There's, there's some McDonald's I don't go to because the customer service was crappy. You know, their attitudes are crappy. But I go to another McDonald's and I'm like, you know, this place is done. It's right around the corner from each other. And I choose that. You know, I'm going to tell you guys from my perspective, and, and I've learned a lot tonight. I really appreciate taking the time to talk to you. You are in an industry that doesn't have McDonald's. What you guys are selling is not a is not a McDonald's or um, going up to five guys and increasing in capacity. You guys are in a step above, and you, uh, Ruth Chris, is never in competition with McDonald's. If you're going to be in competition at the, at the level you expect to be in competition, you need to simply push beyond the McDonald's and do what you guys are doing best. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably, that's what I was going to say. Like, let's go ahead and drop that one there, too, you know. Uh, it's probably a good one to end on. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's, that's great information, man. Really appreciate that. Yeah, it has. All right. Where do people find you on social? I am, well, you can probably go TM Auto Detailing on Instagram. That's for Tingle Mike. And I am Go Go Tank Girl on Instagram. And Maria, um, K3 Space Ghost. Her new fancy car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think we have a Tingle Mike Detailing on Facebook. Yeah, but who uses Facebook anymore? Just kidding. It's good. It's great. <laughs> Since all my customers are old, older people, that that that's pretty much where they're at. That's um, you can find. Uh, uh, I'm DJ. You can find Golden Detailing on Facebook uh, at Golden Detailing. Uh, don't have an Instagram up yet, but look forward soon. And the website coming soon as well. We're doing a little rebranding and remarketing, and I'm doing that for the business. So look out for that stuff real soon. Golden Detailing. It's got to have that golden shine. Nice. Nice. I like it. All right. One more time. Where do they find Adventure Brewing? Adventurebrewing.com. That's it. We got we got it all, all the social services, but hit us at adventurebrewing.com. Definitely. Definitely, man. Love the beer. Uh, think, uh, man, uh, third third one now. So uh, doing great. Very easy to drink. There's teardown. There's teardown. All right. Here we go. Tear down it is. All right, we're headed out of here. Thank you, guys. Wonderful time. Always great at Tango Mike's. And uh, enjoy the beer here at Adventure Brewing. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Great job, everybody. I, I, I... Hey, community. Hope you enjoyed the episode. What are you doing Wednesday night at 730 Central? Let's have a beer. 
The Zoom ID is 918-800-1188, and the Community Pub opens at 730 Central. Zoom ID is 918-800-1188. We look forward to seeing you there. Ah!